Chapter 4 Drew Fontenot ran down the hall of the courthouse, his feet clapping loudly on the stone floor as he raced toward a wall of glass, glowing with late afternoon sunlight. It wasn't too late, he told himself. The rat always keeps them alive. At least for a while. The longest day of police chief Andrew Aloysius Fontenot's life had begun as every other day had. A few cups of coffee, the newspaper, a shower, and dressing for work. The rest of his day had followed the similar pleasant rituals that made his job predictable, if unexciting. But then Alma Capitola had called, concerned about her son, Nicholas, who was late returning from a meeting with Leo Forenzi. Drew hit the glass door at the front of the courthouse, sending it back on its hinges. Hot evening air wrapped around his face and chest, and sweat erupted across his forehead as he leapt down the concrete steps toward the police cruiser, waiting for him at the curb. He'd known that the river rat was due to strike soon because the son of a bitch stuck pretty close to the calendar, and two months had already passed since Porter Franklin's remains had been found near Riverfront Park. For the last two weeks, Drew had been alternating his time between solving the murders and wondering how to stop the next one. Warnings didn't work on kids, neither did curfews. The naivete of innocence— believing itself immortal, had made the rat's work easy while making Drew's unbearable. I got it, Drew told West Charleston, the blonde officer behind the wheel. For emphasis, he waved the folded warrant like a fan. The house or the church? Wes asked. The house. Drew pushed back in the seat and reminded himself that the rat kept the kids around, sometimes for days, before he killed them. The information had only the vaguest of calming effects on him, but Drew silently repeated it to himself a half a dozen times before they reached the old parish road. He kept the kids around. Lucas Drexel, a biology professor from the university, had discovered the first three bodies under a fallen cypress at the river's edge while collecting specimens for his junior class. Catfish Walker, the coroner, had identified the victims as young adult, sometimes teenage, males, but none of them had matched the description of local runaways. The remains had been in advanced states of composition, and though Catfish could not be certain, he guessed that the first had been murdered early the previous autumn. Only one of the boys had been identified at that time. Danny Sturgis was a known prostitute, wanted for grand theft. His face had come over the wire just before Mardi Gras, and despite having been stripped by insects and wildlife, Danny had been relatively easy to identify. Drew had sent his men to scour the river's edge for more victims, but fortunately they had found nothing beyond the macabre cache. The first three bodies under the cypress. All of the folks with homes and cabins along the river had been questioned, but nothing had come of it. Drew figured that a psycho from up north had dumped the kids in his parish and then moved on. Then Henry Jones' remains had been discovered in early spring by an executive from the city who owned one of the vacation homes a mile upriver. This fresh corpse had given catfish considerably more to work with. Dozens of wounds of varying severity had covered the sixteen-year-old's body. His rectum had been mutilated.
His throat had been cut, and his body had been thrown in the rushing tide of Old Rusty. Marchand had panicked. The town meeting Drew had called after the discovery of Henry Jones's body had boiled with frightened accusations, and the next morning Oscar Hoffman had run his first story about the river rat in the register, though at the time Catfish Walker was not willing to stake his reputation on a connection between the four victims. His friend Phil Brasson had offered to help Drew build a psychological profile on the killer, since his experience as a therapist in Dallas had brought him into contact with the murderer by the name of Gabriel Cross. Drew hadn't seen the point at the time. They didn't need psychobabble term papers. They needed clues. Then Porter Franklin had gone missing in late June. 